So I wanted to share with you as well something that I thought was a particular blessing, and uh, it's an encouragement to me, that last Sunday, last Sunday after the service, someone came to me and asked about their walk with God, and they placed their faith in Christ as Savior last Sunday morning, and I was excited about that. I know that there are several that are seeking baptism, and we've got to follow up on that individual that placed their faith in Christ, but I've already mentioned that, and I just think it's encouraging. I thought it was a wonderful way to end a challenging year of 2020 for the church to see someone come to faith in Christ. And aren't you glad that the gospel call is still alive and vibrant and God is still saving sinners today? And aren't you glad that God has given, when we know the Lord is our Savior, has given the Holy Spirit to indwell each of us so that wherever we go, we have the Lord with us today. And I think those are things that are encouraging. Like I said, coming to this uh, time of year, I like to take a couple Sundays uh, where we discuss what's in front of us and talk a little bit about planning and talk a little bit about our walk with God. And it's not, again, I've been, I've been a little bit lame in my titles lately, but I think my title today is simply that, your walk with God. And I want to focus on that and I want to help all of us to find some encouragement, but also to be effectual in our planning that we are seeking what God is doing. Now, I'm not going to do this every Sunday. I did it last Sunday. I'm going to do it today, too, because um, uh, I, I want your input. So I know that many of you have your smartphones and all that with you. And one of the things that I did last week, it also involves people that are home and not able to be here physically. There's some way that they can participate as well. But I'm going to do this to, uh, as well this morning. We're going to be talking about uh, a couple of points this morning uh, that... I hope will challenge us, and they are simply under these two points under the message that is our plan and our purpose. So we'll talk about those two things. In doing so, I'm going to invite you to do something that maybe is already a part of your life, and maybe it's not. This is not made by me. It's just a resource, a tool, and this is a Bible reading plan. And it happens to be the plan that I use. You'll find it on the tables underneath the monitors in the foyer. So I don't know if you have a yearly Bible reading plan or a plan at all. And I don't think it has to be a yearly Bible reading plan. Uh, sometimes my Bible reading plans are not a year. In other words, I don't get them done in a year. It takes, I, I prefer to take whatever time. I decide to take, and that's why I like this plan. This plan is not broken up by you need to read this many chapters per day. Actually, I should change that. This one kind of is. This one, like it says on January 1st, Genesis 1 and 2, and gives you Psalm 1. The next day, Genesis 3 through 5 and Psalm 2. So this one's kind of broken up with a certain amount of chapters to use. I think what's important is that you have a plan. The one I particularly am using today uh, just makes it so you check off um, the chapters that you've read. And I wanted to make these available. If you've never read through the Bible uh, and have never systematically uh, in your own mind said, well, have I? Have I actually read it through? This is one way to do so. Uh, so I want to make that available. We made 100 copies. Uh, if, if you would like to avail yourself of that, you could do so also as a couple uh, in your families, if you don't have a systematic way of doing devotions, this is a way that you could do it or incorporate that into your family. But I'm going to invite you to do some other things as well. And I, uh, what I wanted to ask you is, I want to provide but also ask, uh, 
I wanted to provide a resource for uh, tracking your Bible reading. This tends to be more of the avenue uh, that I take. It is uh, an avenue that checks off each chapter. This one is called Alacran. And by the way, when I give this, somebody might come back to me later and say, hey, Pastor Jeff, did you know that was, you know, some from some crazy group that I don't know about. Um, all I did is I looked at the app to see how it worked. And I know that you can't see that. I don't know if you can zoom in on that with the camera back there, guys. But I'll put it here so you can maybe look at it. But what this does is it allows you to check off each chapter. It separates it into the New Testament and the Old Testament. So you have to select which one you're using. You have to select the book. And when you do so, all you have to do is touch each one that you've read. And it kind of keeps track of where you've been. Now, in doing that, it is just a resource, but I'm soliciting you to say that many of you may know a better resource than I know of, and I think that's part of the body of Christ searching these things together. The other thing I like about this is that more and more people are getting away from physical paper to do things like this, and you're doing it on your phones. The other kind of cool thing about this particular app is if you click on that chapter, it'll take you to the chapter to read online. So you can both follow the chapter, click it, and it will take you to a resource to read that. Uh, so it's intuitive. Um, anyway, so that's something to kind of think of. And I wanted to say, if you want to text me what your particular Bible reading plan or your best Bible reading app, uh, I'm glad to share that with people because I think somehow if we can find that together, that'd be great. Now, in this first part of the message today, while we're talking about a plan, uh, for our walk with God, I also have behind this the word vision. What is it that you see in your 2021? And this is what I wanted to solicit your thoughts about, and you can share, you don't have to. Um, but I'm curious about what goals you have for 2021. And I'd be curious to hear, hey, you know, Pastor Jeff, this is what I want to do. It's what I'm hoping for. This is what I would like to see. Uh, and you know, just to get your thoughts on what is your plan for this year. And, and some of you are, are saying, what, what plan? <laughs> and I get that as well. And we'll actually talk about that for a moment. Uh, but do you have any goals or plans for 2021? Is something that you're seeking to accomplish? And isn't it true that some of the things in play for 2020 are going to happen to you in 2021? You follow me? In other words, sometimes there are things already set in place that this is going to happen in 2021. And as far as we can see, there are about four or five families are going to have babies in 2021. And that's a, a date on the calendar, and the baby will decide when to come, but that's, that's what families are looking forward to. Uh, we also recognize, are any of you hopeful that 2021 will be better than 2020? Are you, are you you're, you're, of course you're hopeful. Uh, are some of you skeptical? <laughs> I'll tell you what, with the news that I was talking about earlier, I wonder. A matter of fact, if the news went the way that I am hearing from some of our believers, uh, 2020 could have been a mild precursor to 2021. Could be. Isn't that hope-filled? Um, but we'll see what God has. I wanted to say, though, uh, along with this, do you have any plans or goals, what about your spiritual plans and goals? So it's one thing to have goals and one thing to think about what's happening. It's another thing to think about what's, um, what you're doing spiritually and what you're looking 
to happen in your life spiritually. And I wanted to ask that question in particular because if, if you and I don't take a purposeful look at our plan for our spiritual lives, that neglect can have an impact on your life. And that neglect will certainly have ramifications in your life. So part of today's message is to draw us together as a church family to have a plan to walk with God. Now, I'm not going to walk through necessarily and say these ought to be the components of your plan. I will simply say as a beginning that having a Bible reading plan, having the Bible involved in your life on a daily basis should be a part of our plan and not as a law, but as a matter of relationship that we want to be connected to hearing what God has to say so that he can guide us. So I'm hoping that today as we talk about our plan, that you're involving the word of God in your life. But what about your spiritual welfare? What about how this next year is going to play out? I, I want you to particularly make some decisions in your life about what you're planning to do with the Lord and what you're planning to accomplish for him and to begin to turn your mind towards that vein. So I've asked to text me, what are your goals, what are your plans, what are your spiritual goals, I just want to hear from you. But as we get into the message today, I want to start here in James chapter 4. Now, it's a, maybe an odd way to start, and I'm going to give you Proverbs 27.1 as an intro into James chapter 4. And after I've just got done saying, you know, what are your plans and what are your goals, I'm going to remind you of Proverbs 27.1 which says, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Isn't that true? Boast not yourself of tomorrow, for you don't know what a day may bring forth. So I recognize as I was given the prayer request about this week politically, that there's a lot that we don't really see is going to happen this week. We wonder what's going to happen. And I do as well. And I, I wonder still over the election. I wonder over our country. But I know this, I, I at least feel like I'm in a place where hopefully I can be wise enough to say I can't prognosticate what's going to happen because only the Lord knows. But in that, we want to be careful about our boasting, but yet I think there is a vein in which we still make plans. But as we do, we look now at James chapter 4. So James chapter 4, we're looking at verses 13 through 17, and there is this admonition there's this admonition about our planning. Now, in this passage, it certainly takes the tactic of dealing with individuals with respect to their plans and moving forward with their plans instead of submitting their plans to God. So are you with me? Now, this is pretty important, but I've got a fundamental question to ask you, and this is a very heart-searching question. How intuitive is it to us in our spiritual walk or how practiced is it in our spiritual walk that when we're making plans, we're vetting our plans by the will of God or at least surrendering our plans to the will of God. Any of you like me uh, where you've gotten to a place sometimes where you've made decisions and you've gotten so far down the road and then it becomes a thought of the Holy Spirit that says, hey, have you even talked to me about it? Have you even asked me about it? Have you even laid this before me? So 
I try more and more to practice this aspect before I get down the road of making plans to submit those plans to the Lord. And really, that's what this venue takes in James chapter 4. James 4 says, go to now. And go to now was a colloquialism that basically said, hey, um, it's calling people to pay attention. It's like, hey, do I have your attention? It's go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. This passage is a passage that calls us to do this exact thing to submit our plans to God and to not take it as an intuitive, uh, I know that whatever I plan to do must be blessed of God. In other words, sometimes thinking that just because we have an idea to do something, it's got to then, of course, have, God, have God's blessings upon it. So another way of asking this is, have you ever had bad plans? Have you ever really, let me put it to you differently, have you ever put a lot of time into a plan and watched God just throw it away? Where you've really, I mean, sometimes, I, I don't want to call it cataclysmic, but just let's say it this way, very life-altering plans like moving or like changing jobs or, or things of that nature. And uh, moving ahead with those things sometimes we take a position, well, I'm just going to make a decision because I'm forced to do this or I'm forced, and we just kind of make decisions, and we haven't thought about these first questions I've given you. And one was, do you have a plan? And even more importantly would be, are your plans submitted to the Lord? So that's what's happening in this chapter. So this go-to now, ye that say today or tomorrow, we will, this we will is really a call um, it's not really a parable. It's kind of got that flavor. It's talking to the general audience. And when it says, we will, it's talking to the individual, those individuals that would say, hey, I'm going to make my plans. So in those plans, there are five different things, five different decisions that are being made. And I'm going to give them as I wills because in this passage, when it says we will, it's applying to all those category of people that are making their plans outside of God. And these are the decisions. The first decision is I will go. I will go into such a city. So this is what I, I love. I always love this question. Um, anybody of you surprised at this stage of your life that God landed you in Idaho? Are you surprised? Let me put it to you differently. Back when you were in your, uh, let's say you were 18. When you were 18, did you see yourself ever living in Idaho? Some of you were like, I was born here, idiot. What are you talking about? Uh, <laughs> all right, I'm not talking about you guys. I'm talking about everybody else, okay? So how many of you lived somewhere outside of Idaho when you were 18? Raise your hands, okay? Okay, no kids in this row, huh? How'd that happen? Okay, so... Um, any of you surprised that God navigated you to where you are today and you didn't see that coming? I think this is the idea, is that we might have our plans, 
but God directs in our lives, and sometimes those things happen to us. But it is true that God uses our decision-making in the process. So there is this mindset that is outside of God that says, I'm going to go do this, and I'm going to go to this city, and the vision is I, I, I've got some place in my mind that I want to go. Okay, so there's the I will go, and then there's also a plan over the timing. I will go to such a city, and I will continue there a year. So I will go to this place, and I will stay there a certain amount of time. So this, is, this, this would be my life, okay, and I think yours as well. When we came to Idaho and surrendered to come to Idaho, uh, that has been some 27 years ago now, and that still doesn't make me uh, a native of Idaho and, and I will always be trumped by those that were born here. And, uh, and, and to some of those, I'm not a real Idahoan yet. And I don't know when you get the badge, okay? So I don't know. I've eaten a lot of potatoes. I don't know. How many does it take? Come on, I'm trying. Um, <laughs> but when we came, this was, this was the vision philosophy that I had. If God would allow, and this, when it came to planting a church in this valley, Our vision was, Lord, we will go do this, and as long as you want us there, that's what we'll do. Matter of fact, this was the way I prayed. Lord, it would please my heart and life if you would allow me to uh, be a church planter, see a church started, and be able to remain the pastor of that church until you call me to do something else, which would be retire or whatever. Um, But the goal would be able to be here long term if that's what God allowed. But I, I had learned, and I believe that many of us have, to add that last part, if the Lord would allow. And I, I by the way, uh, <laughs> sometimes I talk to the church about preparing for the day that when I'm not here. And sometimes I will go and take trips. Have any of you learned that when pastors take trips, that sometimes they're scouting out another church to go to? Do you wonder about, I'm not doing that, okay? Now you might be hoping that I'm doing that, but I'm not doing that. Uh, my point is that God directs in our steps and directs in our ways. Pastor Phil's in the same place. As a matter of fact, we, on the early stages of bringing Pastor Phil on, we said, you know, we're, we're going to work for, my memory says five to 30 years. I don't remember what it was. But, uh, <laughs> but today, you know, sometimes people say, well, Pastor Phil, what's your long-range plan? His long-range plan is to follow the Lord, just like your long-range plan and my long-range plan should be, let's follow the Lord. But God has a way of moving us. Any of you ever sense that God moved you? Hello? Do you sense that God moved you from one place to another? And, and this is the idea. Here's the point. They said, I will go, and I have, a, I have this plan. I will stay a certain amount of time. Okay? All right. And uh, I'm going to get real direct about this, okay? I have, I've talked to young people that as a pastor, I've, I'm going to say I've strongly rebuked their decision-making, okay? I met one young person who was going to college, and before they went to college, this is the deal they made between them and God. They said, I told the Lord that I would not date anybody in college, I would not be distracted by anybody in college, and I'm not going to be open to meeting anybody in college until I'm through with college. And my immediate response to that is, who made you God to say you can't meet somebody at that time? 
Who made you God to say, God, you can't do this unless it's in my timing? Now, you might not see it that way, but I think it's a very passive-aggressive way of saying, I'm going to control this, God's not. And I don't care if it's a spouse, I don't care if it's a job, I don't care if it's a location. This I will go and I will stay a certain amount of time is I will, and this is what I'm determining to do. Now, it goes on further, and and this all turns monetary. Now, how much of our lives are driven by finance? How much? Wouldn't you say a great portion of our life is driven by finance? And this is why I'm not ashamed of talking to the church about the financial plans of our church and ministry, because God directs in what we're doing. We want his leadership, and we can't have that unless we're praying together and communicating together. But in this, there's this plan, and have you ever seen these hope-filled plans? This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go and I'm going to buy, and there is this plan that I'm going to acquire. Those things are going to be financial profitable to me because it's going to play this as well. I'm going to buy, and I am going to sell, and what's the end result? I am going to, well, it says here, I'm going to get gain, Okay. So look at the verse, the verses, verse 1, or verse 13, I mean. Go to now, you that say today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there a year, and buy and sell and get gain, okay? So what I'm saying is that just because we have a plan doesn't mean that God respects our plan at all. I got a question for you. Do you still have financial need? You may not want to raise your hand. But are there still needs in your life financially? Are there still things in your life that need to be taken care of? Well, the point is that all of our finances, I mean, I know that many of you are just like me. You ever had money set aside for one thing and then that came up and all of your resource now needed to go to that thing? So this is where simply uh, making a plan is not the plan of God, and also being confident that when you have surrendered your plans to God, you can have confidence that no matter what comes your way, he will help you through it. This person does not have that confidence. The reason these kind of people don't have this confidence is because their plans were never submitted to the Lord in the first place. They were boasting on their power, what they would do, their decision-making processes, and really what was driving them was their desire, what I want. And how tenacious are we about getting what we want? We will scheme and we will connive and we will work and we we will twist it every which way to try to make sure our plan gets accomplished. And the problem in this passage is that is that everything wrong about this is fixed by submitting all of this with sincerity and truth to the Lord on the front side. Lord, I want your will more than I want anything else. Now, it goes on in verse 14, whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. So, we don't know what's going to happen. And anything that is going to happen is going to happen by the power and provision and direction of God. So he says, whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. So understand this. You want to be very, very careful about getting your wisdom from men. You want to be very, very careful specifically about getting your direction in life 
from people who are directing outside of the scope of what God has revealed in his word. So let me ask it this way. Have you ever seen the plans of countries go awry? Have you ever seen the plans of government go awry? I, I remember, and I'll, for, for sake of, of grace, I'll leave names out. But we're, we're a wackadoo people. Um, and I know that's deep Greek language for messed up. But we're a wackadoo people. I, there was a politician who I would say lost their position in politics largely due to the fact back a few years ago we had a very heavy snow. And people were new to the area and they criticized that politician for why aren't you taking care of this? By the way, for those who have lived here for some time, how often do we have deep snow in this valley? It's once in a blue moon. Matter of fact, in my subdivision, we had a post board back in that day and there were, no offense to those of you from California, but the person said they were from California and they said, we moved here because there wasn't supposed to be any snow. What are you guys doing? Okay. So my, my point, <laughs> I'm sorry for those from California. That does not reflect all of you. Um, but the point here is in this passage that we do not know what's going to happen. We don't. And acting as if we do and act as, acting as if our plans or other people's plans are going to happen is very presumptuous. It goes on to say, now in reflection, what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. What is the purpose of that passage? What is the purpose of that verse? You, you think it through, but I'll tell you what I think part of the purpose is. It's to remind you and to remind me of our frailty. To be more direct, we are not God and we need to stop acting like it. We're not God. We need God's help. Now, he gives, gives us a direction in verse 15, and he says what we ought to be saying. And here's the front of that. If the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. So if the Lord will. Now, I know this is a soul-searching question, but have you ever found yourself kicking against the will of God? Have you found yourself kicking against the will of God? Do you ever find yourself second-guessing about your decision-making process? Did I make a mistake? Did I not make a mistake? I think all those are pretty natural things, but, but here's, here's the thing. We have to make a fundamental decision about the director of our lives. And we have to make a decision of whether or not that's the Lord. And whether or not we're really, really, really willing to surrender all of our plans to him or not. If the Lord will. But now he directly gives the rebuke in verse 16. But now you rejoice in your boastings. What are your boastings? Your boastings are pretending that you are more powerful than God. Now, I don't know that the people saying this would say that. But this is what the action of their lives are manifesting. Their boasting is boasting in what they would do. And God says this, all such rejoicing is what? 
So are you and I willing enough to listen to the Lord all through our lives, every step of the way, to depend upon the Lord that if he was to say no, that we would be willing to change directions when he makes clear that his will is not in our plan? Are we willing? Now, here's, here's the problem. Are you with me? This is an important little principle here. The problem with this kind of thing is that once we set our heart's affection on something and we decide that we want something, it's awfully hard to draw back and now submit it to God. Anybody with me that your want to is pretty big? And we live in a society that is based upon this. If we want something, matter of fact, more and more in our modern era, we have instantaneous gratification. I mean, what kind of society do we live in? It's a pretty, it's a pretty radically uh, blessed society that for many of you, uh, now I don't know how many people are doing this and I don't know everything there is to know about it, but I understand in the delivery of groceries, there's one of two things, well, three things you can do. Old school, you can go to the grocery store. But am I not right that you can also now, there are things you can sign up for where you can pre-shop at home and when you go to the grocery store, you don't have to go in. It's there for you in a cart and you just load your car. Is that true? Is that right? And isn't there another layer to this where you don't go to the grocery store at all? They bring it to your home. Okay. So, I mean, we live in a pretty gifted society where we can have things really when we want them. And oh my, what's happened to this valley? We now have an Amazon in our valley where many of us are experiencing getting things by order when? Isn't that crazy? I can't believe I had to wait three days. <laughs> what is up with that? Three days of waiting. That's, that's kind of how we are. So my point is, what happens is if we're not practiced in making a decision in life to surrender our plans to God, we can make plans that God's not a part of at all. Now our heart is affixed to that, and now we can't see clearly because now our desire becomes our love it's really hard for us to get back to a place of God, will you now take this because this is what I love? Well, Luke chapter 12, if you go there, tells us in a spiritual sense of, of eternal life and eternal death, how this plays out for a certain rich man in Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, we're going to look at verses 16 through 21. And in verse 16, it says, And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. So there was blessing, okay? And he thought within himself. Now, this is a legitimate thought as far as there should be thinking that happens when there's some surplus, okay? So the question now is, what am I going to do? And he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do because I have nowhere to bestow my fruits? Some would take issue upon that statement that at the very beginning of this, he doesn't recognize the fact that what he's been given is given of God. So I want you to, I've asked this question several times in the history of our church, but I'll ask it to you now. What would you have if it wasn't for God? So what would you have if it wasn't for the Lord? I want you to think about that for a second. But it is an issue that some people take with this passage that he recognizes it as his fruits. 
Now, but it's a legitimate question, okay? I've got too much for what I have room for. What am I going to do? So what shall I do because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, this will I do. And you have the same kind of phrases that you have in James 4. Those that go to now, those that say we will. You have, I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, what? Two words. Let's do it all together as a church family. God has said unto him, okay. I want to ask you a question. I know, I know, it's a simple question, but worth asking. Do you want to live a fool's life? It may sound simple, but profound enough in my mind to ask it again. Do you want to live a fool's life? Understand then that living a fool's life comes with decision making. It's not that this rich man was devoid of making decisions. By the way, many times we look at rich people and we think, oh, they made all the right decisions. Unless you know the doctrine of the Bible. Now, does God give direction in finances? Yes, absolutely. And is it possible to be foolish about our finances because we didn't listen to God's direction? Yes, it is. But that's not really the point. The point is he saw his stuff as his stuff. He saw his plan as his plan. And in his mind, his plan looked awfully good. And it, I would say this, when you read this man's plan, if, especially if any of you are farmers, if you had a bumper crop that uh, produced more than you expected, you would be in the same place. What are you going to do with that stuff? The problem, however, is that he's doing all of that he's doing outside of God, and he says, God says unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee, then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich towards who? So he was living his life absent from God's direction and absent of a relationship with God so that these things were his life. So let me ask you something. What's going to happen to your stuff when you die? I wonder how many of us have plans. Well, we're, we're, going, to, we're going to give it to our kids. I'm telling you right now that some of your kids would like you to go through now and get rid of the junk now before you leave it to them to get rid of the junk then. Anybody watch a, a show out there called Hoarders? You want to know how many pounds of junk they remove from one guy's house? How many pounds? Get a, get a number in your mind. Two million pounds. How much junk do we have in our lives? 
I think, I, I thought this way in, in preparation of the message. Preparing my message, I come to my office, I go to my office, and I look to my right up on the wall, and a happy man I am. <laughs> there on my wall, first off, there on, on the left, there are two little raghorns. Two little raghorns, but then there's this bull elk. Oh, a happy man I am. <laughs> we pretty much eat elk and deer meat in all of our meals that have some kind of red meat. That's pretty much what we're doing. But I look up on my wall, <laughs> I see those antlers, and I think, if I outlive my, if my wife outlives me, my poor wife, I'm going to tell you what you cannot do. You cannot bury them with me. <laughs> as much as you may want to. <laughs> Praise God, it's God, it's God, it's God. <laughs> I won't tell you you can't. That might be the right thing to do. My, my point is, it's stuff at some point. Now, I also recognize the Bible says in Proverbs that it's a blessing to pass an inheritance down to your children's children. And that's a blessing if you can do that. But just remember, hoarding stuff for stuff's sake is still just stuff. It's still just stuff. And that's not really the point of the passage. The point of the passage is this man's life was not prepared to meet the Lord. And I think in the sense that you can all see the gospel-centric nature of this, a person can live their life on this planet and never seek God, die, face him as their judge, and be lost for all of eternity, and none of that stuff can console that individual. None of that stuff can somehow then be comforting. Look at all the stuff I had. I'm going to tell you as well, there's no home on the planet that can be everything that you want it to be. There's no home on the planet while it may meet your needs. It's still, I'm, I'm sorry, it's still just a, a house. It's a place to live. It's a provision, and I think it's right to be thankful for it. But it's just a place. And I think sometimes even so core is this wrong in many lives that some families think if we just had a bigger and a bigger and a bigger that then we will be happy and then everything. And here's statistically what people say. Your family would prefer to live in a smaller place where kids can see their mom and dad than live in a bigger place where everybody's running where they have no connection with each other. But even more importantly, spiritually, is this, and by the way, you have to be careful about this kind of, kind of communication. It does not mean that somebody shouldn't have a big house. It doesn't mean that somebody, if they can afford uh, big stuff, great, praise God. It's not an admonition against having things. It's an admonition about living a life independent of God. And that's what this man was doing. Now, spiritually, for the lost person, that has great jeopardy. But also, for the saved person, you can come back to this lifestyle where you're living your life for stuff, and stuff is still just going to be stuff. Now, praise God when we can use it for his glory, but be careful that the stuff is not just getting stuff. So in the plan of your life, what are you planning on in your life spiritually? What are you planning to do with your walk with God? And I'm going to take you to this next point of purpose. So plan, I would say this, this way, your plan is in to some degree your vision. 
It's what you see out in front of you. And when we talk about purpose, our purpose is another way of saying what we value. So I want to make this statement and try to help us go here then, that our vision will be directed by our values. So what you're looking at doing this next year is going to be directed by what you are valuing and what I am valuing. So that then lays to the question, what am I valuing? Well, Matthew 6, if you'll go there, we'll look at a couple passages here. Matthew 6, and both of them are in Matthew 6 here as we, we got one other passage to get to. I'm reading a larger section here, but in Matthew 6, there's this admonition about materialism, about living for the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. All right? So Matthew 6, verse 19 through 21, you have your Bibles open there. Would you read out loud with me? Matthew 6, 19 through 21, reading out loud with me. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Pretty profound passage that tells us what we value becomes our vision. And it becomes what we live for. So what are you valuing? And, and I, I don't, I'm not any different than the rest of us here. We all need to be challenged about our values. Challenged about what we're living for and why we're living for it. And when you're done or come to the end of your life, will you be able to look back on your life? What sense will you have at that point? Will you look back on a sense of vanity? Yeah, I lived my life, but I don't know that I ever really did anything that God wanted me to do. I, I don't have the confidence of knowing that God directed my steps because I just did what I wanted. Or are you living your life under the banner of my life is surrendered to the King of Kings and I'm trusting him with where I'm at in life, where I'm going in life, and with all the decision making that I'm making in life? Are your plans submitted to the Lord? Now, I want to say this you are certainly going to be planning. You're certainly going to have some decision-making to do in 2021. So let me say it to you this way. If the government should ever say that vaccines are mandatory, you'll have some decisions to make. If the government was to ever say, you will not meet any longer as a church, you and I would have decisions to make. If the government was to say, or if other authorities were to say, you can or cannot do, you've got decisions to make, and you're going to have to make those things. The challenge I think we need is to vet, are we making those decisions submitted to the Lord on the front side? It does say this, that whatever you're valuing is where your heart is going to be. So what's driving your values? The latter part of this passage I'm going to read, and the front part of my Bible basically says um, something along the lines of living without fear or anxiety. But in verses 25 through 34, therefore I say unto you, Matthew 6, 25, therefore I say unto you, 
take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for the, your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, your, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. And then a very famous verse, which I'll ask you to read out loud with me, verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. It goes on there and says, Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Now, I believe that if you compare Scripture with Scripture, it doesn't mean that you don't have any plans that you try to follow through with for the glory of God. But it does mean that you don't live in a spirit of fear over these provisionals. God is going to see your needs met. God is going to take care of you. God is going to guide in your life. But the admonition comes back down to this fundamental truth. Where is your value point? And that point of value is going to play itself out in the decisions you make and then the consequences that come from those decisions. All these admonition, uh, admonitions are for you and I to make this decision. Lord, my life is about your glory and I want you to lead in every decision I make. Lord, protect me from the evil in the world, but Lord, protect me from myself. Many of our, I'm, not, I'm not the only one who prays this way, but many times when we have meetings as leadership in the church, I will pray exactly this kind of prayer. Lord, please give us wisdom beyond ourselves. So we just don't land at a place that sounds smart to us. Because again, every good idea or every, we, every idea we have is not a good idea. Every plan we put in place isn't necessarily a plan that God would want us to have in place. So we have to come down to this in 2021 with our walk with God. Our world is as messed up as it's ever been. And we're as lost as we've ever been. And I frankly think when you look at the world, we look as foolish as we've ever looked. But God has a plan. And there's a God that can be trusted. And if you're gonna have confidence in what lies ahead, you're gonna have to anchor your life in him. And it happens with every decision you make. I wanna rejoice, by the way, for everybody that's a part of the service today. What a great way to start the year. For those who are online, thank God that you know, you're joining us and we have this opportunity to meet together. Thank God that you've made the decision to honor the Lord and be together and do things. But I want to move forward and our time is done, but I would be remiss if I didn't take this next point. And it's a little bit out of our, out of our scope. There's a plan and there's a purpose, but I want to now take us to Ephesians chapter four and just really, a, it's one or two verses here. Ephesians chapter four. 
and you've got some decisions to make and you need God's wisdom and nobody else's wisdom is going to do. You need direction from God. Hello, do you? By the way, you know, I, I, I'm just gonna tell you more and more, well, I don't know about more and more. I, I don't know where we're at today. What I think is that today with COVID, more and more people have been exposed and are on the other side of it. We're having more and more of that happen. Uh, but I still don't pretend to know what, what governments are going to do regarding all of this stuff. I still don't know. And I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm personally skeptical of man's wisdom. So I, I, I don't tend to buy into everything, especially that the mass media is saying. But that being the case, that means that we're clinging hard to the Lord to give us direction every day. Clinging hard for the Lord to show us what do we do next. Matter of fact, I'll just take a moment here and say, you know, we've, we've prayed about, do we, do we start a church in Emmett? But those plans are surrendered to God. We've prayed about, do we start a church in Mountain Home? We've, we've surrendered those things to the Lord. And, and until we get real direction from God, we're waiting for God to show us what to do. And when God wants us to do something, if I think I've learned anything, it's that God will when he's ready to show us what he wants and then we can move. What I find is foolish is when we think we have a plan and we move forward anyway, whether or not God has given direction. So in Ephesians chapter four, in the decision-making, this is what I wanna challenge us with. In verse 11, it says, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Would you read verse 12 out loud? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Here is where I want to be, and I'm, and I'm not alone. I, I'm asking that we go here together. I'm asking that you challenge me and I challenge you, and we be a church family together purposed around this value. Lord, we may not know what's gonna happen tomorrow, but until you come, help us to be busy about the work of God. Help us to be busy trying to accomplish something for your name. I'm gonna tell you if there's anything that 2020 has done, one of the great things that it's done is really pulled back so many ministries that churches have tried to do. Agreed? Many churches have not been able to do this or do that because of concerns of, well, are we gonna be affecting people this way and affecting people that way? And here's where I am today. I do think that more of our community has been exposed, many are on the other side, and it's just like coming together to church today. There are some of you that haven't had COVID. There are some of you that have. And, and this is what we do. We're moving forward to the best of our ability. And that's what I want to do with the plans that we're trying to accomplish in 2021. I want to take the next step forward and do something for God instead of just sitting and waiting for something to be over. So as a pastor, I don't, I, I'm going to tell you, as a pastor, we're, we're trying to move forward with, in February, we have an Awana, not Awana, we have True Tracker Pinewood Derby race, and I'm planning to win again. <laughs> well, I'm not really planning to win again, but, but we're going to try to do that. We're going to try to have that event so that we are encouraging not only our church family, but trying to bring the lost in to be a part of that. We're planning to do a vacation Bible school this year. We're planning to actually have the event and find a way to get it done. We may not have been able to get it done for whatever reasons in 2020, but let's not stay there. 
We're planning this year to take our young people to Redcliffe to camp again, to junior camp and to teen camp. We're planning to move ahead. We're planning to do what we can. We're planning to have a church family camp, set the calendars on the date, put the deposit in. We're planning to move forward that way. And God directs how God directs. If God changes those things, to God be the glory. But let's make plans on this day, at this time, to serve God moving forward in every way that we can. Let's not live in a position of lack of service, of disconnectedness, of not doing things because we have no way forward. We've got some decisions to make. And, and here's the thing about that. I, I think we still have to be at a place of respecting everybody's personal choice and decisions in these things. But I know this as a pastor, I want to see us move forward and accomplish something for the glory of God. And that does not mean that that did not happen in 2020. Matter of fact, when I share with you some of the things that God has done in 2020, I think it'll give you every reason to rejoice over the goodness of God. But as we make plans, in verse 12, it says this, for the perfecting of the saints, the next phrase, for the work of of the ministry, and then it goes on to say, to clarify even, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So I want to be very clear about this. Please listen to what I'm going to say, and I hope you'll receive it with grace. And I, I'm, I'm still going to say, again, every individual has to make the decisions that they need to make, and I respect that. But I'm going to tell you, again, some of the realities of where we are. We need every person involved in ministry to the degree that God directs you. And every time that God directs you to be involved in ministry, that partnership is a help to God's people. It's a help to the gospel going forward. It's a help to the discipling of others. And God wants every one of his children to be involved in some way for the work of the ministry. I want to tell you some questions here, okay? So I just told you this Sunday that last week somebody accepted Christ as their Savior. I appreciate one of the questions that came from, it came from actually two people. One was our, one of our deacons. They said, who do you have in mind to disciple that person? I said, I really don't know yet. But I want to challenge you about something. Sometimes we see people as newly saved as they're the only ones that need disciple. And they are not. Here's what I'm saying is that each one of us needs the ministry of others in our lives. Each one of us does. I need it and you need it. And your invo involvement is crucial to that. And I'm telling you that the disconnectedness of God's people that removes us from being able to do that is not healthy for the gospel or the church moving forward in ministry. And that means that all of us have decisions to make. And, I, and again, I don't know what God's decision is for you, but I, I want God to lead in your life. And by the way, what I'm saying right now is not meant to be a guilt trip on anybody. That's not the point. This is a Holy Spirit-led ministry, and the challenge of this ministry is to direct every believer to follow God's leadership in their life, to serve where he has called them. And sometimes every opportunity is not an opportunity that you can take. But does God want us all involved in ministry? Yes, and does God want us to be accomplishing something for him? And here's what I'm saying. You may not know that place, 
But I can guarantee God has a place for you to serve. And that place is right where you are. And that means in the, in the house in which you live, in the neighborhood in which you live, and in the church in which you live, uh, uh, attend, and in the community in which you're involved, God has a ministry for you. And I'm not the one who can tell you what that ministry is. The Holy Spirit has to lead you. I can tell you we need servants involved in ministry. Now, I also want to say this, and I'm really wrapping up here, believe it or not. When it says for the work of the ministry, I also recognize that there's a lot of ministry that's happening in this church that I'm not aware of because I hear of the stories of how you're ministering. I want to tell you that it encourages me. I hear about you calling one another. I hear about you reaching out to one another. I hear about you some way trying to reach out and minister Christ. And it's happening a lot. I'm also going to say for those that are newer to fellowship, the invitation is there for you as well to be praying about how can I get involved in this local church family to start edifying and building and helping others grow. And here's what you're going to find. When you're involved, you're going to find yourself growing as well. So here's the point, and I'm done. This has been about what's your plan. This has been about what's your purpose. Another way of saying it is what is your vision and what are your values? And what happens this next year is going to be directed by the values you have. And this is what I'm challenging each with us, each one about this morning is really a prayer-filled thing. Lord, what do you want me to do? And I think that sums up James chapter four. I think it sums up Matthew chapter six. I may have my plans, but Lord, what do you want me to do? And here's the confidence that we can have. If you love the Lord and you're seeking him for wisdom and for direction, the Lord will never lead you astray. So this morning, Let's pray about the decisions we're making and about what God has for us and let God direct in your 2021.